today. Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together. Lord, we bless you in this place. Let's lift him up together. And let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. And let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. And we've seen your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever all creation cry God we praise you oh we praise you oh and let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea and let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me let it rise let faith the giants fall fear cannot survive when we praise you the god of breakthroughs on our side forever lift him high with our creation guy god we praise you feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you and this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what when Jehoshaphat was leading the army to, uh, to, to battle. They didn't even have to fight. It says in, in 2 Chronicles, it says, as soon as they began to sing, as soon as they began to sing, the Lord started working. The Lord started doing the fighting. The Lord killed all of the enemy. It was through their praise. It wasn't through their abilities. It wasn't through their armor. It wasn't through their fighting abilities. It was through their praise. It wasn't through anything special they had. It wasn't through training. It wasn't through schooling. It was through praise. 
as we praise Him today, if you're facing whatever you're facing, realize when you, when you praise God, there's a battle that goes on in the heavenlies. There's a battle that goes on right here in the spirit world. So if you're not going to praise, you're not winning any battles. If, you, if you're not going to praise, you're the one that's going to be fighting. The scripture says, as they praised, God fought. It wasn't as they praised, they fought. It was God fought when they praised. So that's the key to us. If we're fighting something here on this earth, in the physical, praise God. Give Him praise. And He will fight in the spiritual. And when something happens in the spiritual, it takes care of the physical. Amen? This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. And this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like.
see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working.
presence of the Lord. Honor him. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Man, thank you guys for that great singing this morning. That was a blessing. Blessing to all of us. <clears throat> if I could preach a sermon today, uh, it's so good to see some faces back with us today. I want you to know something, folks. I want to start off by telling you, it is safer to come to Gap Hill Church than it is to go to Lowe's. Can I say it one more time? It is safer and we are taking more precautions to make sure that you're taken care of at Gap Hill Church than Lowe's is taken at their department stores. I just want everybody to know that. So, so please know that we're doing everything within our power. So um, just know that if you come, we're trying our best to take care of you. Our volunteers are helping and working every week so hard just to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And we appreciate that want to thank God today. If, if there's anybody, anyone that served in the military today, I just want to honor you today. Johnny's here today. Is there any others that have served? Uh, Andy, well, Brother Carol. Brother, can we give these guys, Brother Buddy, like, can we give James, let's give them all a hand clap this morning. We honor you guys today and thank you for your service. I need, I don't know. If you have your Bibles this morning, the Lord on my side. How many of you are glad that the Lord's on your side? Now today, if I could just get here, Israel used to sing songs of encouragement. And they would encourage themselves in the Lord. And this is one of the songs of ascent that they was written by actually King David. It's a song of ascent, as I've preached before in the past. They were sung up the steps. There were so many steps that went up to the temple and on every step, they would give God a certain praise sacrifice as they went on their way up to worship God in the temple. The steps and the songs of ascents, you can read them in your Bible, but the songs of ascents, and I can't remember the exact chapters, I have that in another sermon, but these chapters, I think it's 121 to 132, somewhere around there, but there, in your Bible, you'll see there's a song of ascent that is written right above the passage there. And so you'll know that these are each one is quoted. They quote these chapters, these verses that I'm going to read to you today. As they're walking up each step, they begin to quote these things. They are preparing themselves for worship. Can I tell somebody that we ought to prepare ourselves for worship? See, the Bible said that when we come into the presence of God, we shouldn't just come in nonchalantly. The Bible says that when we come into the house of God, that we should enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter into His courts with praise. So when we come into the house of God, we should be prepared to worship Him. When you come to the house of God, God is not intended for the song leader to get you worshiping. When you come to the house of the Lord, it's not the preacher's job to make you worship. When you come to the house of God, you ought to walk through the door saying, Praise God, what a great day it is to be saved. I have come into His house to worship the Lord. A preparation for worship. I don't need anybody's help in this building to get me to worship my God. I've got enough good things that God's done for me. I don't need anybody's help today. i got a lot to be thankful for. And I know that in this house there's other people that you could say the same thing. Because God has been good to you as well. Now as he's writing this song of ascent that we are to enter into the house of God with worship... I want to show you what happens. Verse 1 and 2. Let's start there. If it had not been. I'm going to go verse by verse. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Let Israel now say. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. When men rose up against us. Now jump back to verse 1 there Chevy. Now I want us to consider this statement this morning. If it had not been for the Lord on your side. Where would you be? There's some of you in here you know good and well that if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be in hell right now. There's some of you that used to have a little party side to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You used to like the bottle pretty good. Maybe you like drugs pretty good. Maybe it was even prescription drugs. But you got your high off of something or another. And you, you enjoyed that. Let me tell you something today. Some of you know that if it was not the Lord that would have reached down and found you where you were. If He wouldn't have saved you when He did. If He wouldn't have pulled you out of the gutter when He did. There is no telling where you would be today. So there's somebody that ought to agree with me. If it had not been the Lord who was on my side, man, I would have been in a mess. You see Israel in Egypt, if it had not been the Lord that was on their side, they would have remained in bondage. If it would have not been for the Lord who was on his side, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the hungry lions would have ate him. The story would be different if the Lord was not there. If you look at David with Goliath, sure he cut his head off, he killed him with stones but if it had not been the Lord who was on David's side then the story would be totally different. We wouldn't be talking about David has killed or Saul's killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. That song would have never happened if God wasn't have showed up Goliath would have taken him like a twig and ripped him that little ruddy boy in half had it not been the Lord. The three Hebrew boys had it not been the Lord. They would have been burned in the fire but thank God that when they got thrown in the fire when Nebuchadnezzar looked over he said guess what I see three men walking around and the th or four men walking around not just the three and the fourth man appears to be who the son of God Jesus Christ my Lord I wish somebody would help me preach that what I'm telling you is had it not been the Lord who showed up we wouldn't tell the story of the three Hebrew boys their story would be much different I'm glad for the Lord had it not been for the one for Jesus the woman at the well would have went to hell that day but because Jesus went to where she was and told her I'm going to give you water you never will thirst again had it not been for the Lord she too would have been in hell somebody ought to say thank God today that the Lord is on my side there's some of you going through mess right now you might as well agree if it wasn't the Lord you wouldn't know what to do he's the only reason you've made it through Praise the Lord. So let's consider that. But the Bible is filled with people. And you can read it. That God turned over to their own lusts. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Saul was one of those. King Saul. The Bible said that God turned him over. Said, Saul, I've rejected you. You're no longer the king. Paul said it this way. He said that you're a bunch of reprobates is what he called them. And in one passage you can read where he says for one individual. He said, I have turned him over to Satan. Because he's a reprobate. I can't help him. I can't save him. I can't change him. And because of that, he's a reprobate. That means he cannot be touched by the power of God anymore. His heart has grown so cold that the embers are no longer there. The fire and the zeal for God, the passion for God, it's no longer there. He's just a reprobate. God will turn us over to ourselves. But God who is on our side will do more than help you. Let me tell you what this God will do. If you will enter, allow Him to enter into your life, if you will give Him free reign of your life, the Lord will not only come into your life, but this God will wrestle with you until the breaking of the day. He will mold you. He will whip you into shape. If you'll just allow this God into your life, if you let Him, He will build your character. He will build character in you and He will you with trials just ask Job Job goes through all the mess and everybody knows his story he goes through all of this stuff but at the end of the day he could say I know that my Redeemer is alive and well God is on my side through the fire he forged him made him a great man of God not only for Job you could ask Joseph who is sold into slavery numerous times he's treated like a slave but God raised him up to the second in command in Egypt and Pharaoh let me tell you if the Lord had not been on his side God will wrestle with you he will stay with you until you get your breakthrough as the apostle Peter Peter had it not been the Lord who was on his side he's the guy that would deny Jesus Christ we talked about it last week but he would also be the same guy that on the day of Pentecost would preach a sermon where 3,000 people and another time 5,000 a total of 8,000 people with his sermons just right there near Pentecost would give their life to Jesus Christ. If you would give yourself to Jesus,
Jesus Christ and let God be on your side. He's going to do so much for you, brothers and sisters. You can't even dream possible. But if you take God out the picture, everything changes. If God's not beside me, then everything changes. So let's go on to verse 2. He says, when men rose up against me. When men rose up against men. Can I say it this way? And I said this a little the other week when I preached this. The devil isn't to blame for everything that goes on in our lives. Sometimes it's us. And sometimes it's other people. If we, listen, at, 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 in, you know, in our nation right now, we see a lot of riots and we see a lot of men going against men. Is that not what we see? We see black, white against white, black. They just got their race war going on. We got people that are liberals and Democrats and Republicans and they're fighting. And, and we got men rising against men. And I've preached this many times and I believe it with all of my heart just as sure as I'm standing here today. If the devil is ever going to succeed at tearing up the church, it is going to be men rising up against men. It is not going to be the devil. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The gates of hell can't do it. They don't have the power. God has already lifted up. He said, I'm going to put a banner over this church. I'm going to protect this church. I'm going to keep this church. So I don't believe the devil is the one that's going to destroy the church. I believe it will be when men rise up against men. God help us. See, And God shows us who our real enemy is. We have to be cautious and watch out for who our enemy is. A lot of times, the person that we think is against us isn't against us. Now this is kind of a crude story, but I was reading it the other day. I thought it was funny. A little bird is flying south in the winter. His wings freeze. He falls through a gap in the roof of a barn and lands frozen next to a cow. The cow feels sorry for the poor bird and he drops some dung on him just so he could keep him warm. I know somebody said that's nasty, Pastor. I know, but if you were the bird, you'd be grateful, right? It works and he starts to feel free to move again. So he feels with happiness. He starts singing for joy, which in turn attracts this little cat. The little cat that is the farmer's. The cat drags him out of the pile of cow dung, cleans him up, and then he eats him. The logic of the story, everyone who dumps on you is not your enemy. Everyone who digs you out of the dumps is not your friend. And finally, when you are in the dumps, just keep your mouth shut. You have to recognize who your enemy is. Because there's some people in your life that they're going to come to you and they're going to say, Oh, I'm here to help you. And they're digging you out of the mess that you're in. And they're trying to help you out of the mess that you're in. And then when you get out, they'll stab you in the back just like the little cat. He thought the cow was his enemy because the cow, of course, lays this dung on him. He's my enemy. But in reality, the cow was his savior and the cat was his enemy. God will allow you to see who your real enemy is. At the end of the day, the most important thing is this, that God is on my side. And when God is on my side, it doesn't matter who my enemy is. If God is for me, then who in the world can stand against? me, Not the devil, not every imp of hell, not men. No man, even if they rise against us. So make sure you got God on your side. And that, verse 3, then they, somebody say they, they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled again. Who is they? They could be an, from an employer to an enemy. Alright? When they would have swallowed us up. Oh, God have mercy. Can I tell you, if they would have had their way, this is what David is saying, if they would have had their way, if, if my employer would have had his way, I would have lost my job. If my enemy would have had his way, I would have lost my house. If the enemy would have had, oh my God, but God frustrated the plans of the enemy. Can I tell you that God gets in the way of their plans, whoever they are. God will get in the way of their plans and He'll stand between you and them right on your side. Side, he will frustrate the plans of the enemy. I love this verse, Johnny. I quote it all the time. But God said, I know the plans that I have for you. They are to give you a hope and a future. There's times when the devil frustrates me and he tries 
to rise up against me and he tempts me and he challenges my thinking and he tells me that God's no longer on my side it is at that moment I've quoted to him a hundred times at least the past year and I tell him devil let me tell you I know the plans that I have for you they are plans for good and not evil that's what God said about me and the devil has to leave and take flight because I call God to my side it makes a difference when he's with you Let's go to the next verse. I got, I got. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. Watch this. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Do you see this verse? There's a metaphor here of water. But when you notice the details, it begins as a little stream. And then it continues to swell and get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. I got a little creek in my backyard. Some days you look out there and it looks like it's about this deep. My dog decided yesterday on the back she was just going to run jumping. And she came back and she was about that high with water. So I guess it's a little higher now. But that little creek just goes back there. Sometimes I can go out there at 12 o'clock at night like I do sometimes. 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm a lay down. And I'm standing there on the porch and I can hear that stream just running. Best sound in the world. I mean, it's the best thing in the world, folks. If you got an Alexa, tell her to play the babbling brook for you. I just wanted to put that out there. I don't get compensated if you buy one. Anyhow, that stream's just going. But a, a while back when it rained and we had, and, and Brother Rick, uh, his pond, he saw a lot of this and he had a good drainage system. But I, I came by and his was just a flowing, looked like a river out there. Well, my little creek did the same thing. Even though it's not that high, it came all the way into my backyard. So, so if this is the end of my creek, it went way back yonder to where the cross is. And so after the storm was over and that flood was over, I could see where the leaves had been washed away and there was dirt. And I thought, what in the world is this? It is where that stream had swollen. There's times in our life that when problems start, they're like a little stream. We thought, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll just step right over this brook. I'll just walk right over this problem. But all of a sudden, overnight, the enemy comes in like a flood. And that stream, David says it was just a little stream. But now it seems like a swelling water. It is swollen waters. They have gone up over my soul. See, it is a stream that keeps getting bigger and bigger until it's totally out of control. The flood is not hurting my body. It is not hurting my spirit. But if I'm not careful it will destroy my soul the spiritual part of a person it deals with the eternal it deals with the hereafter so he is not only saying when this stream rises up is it a problem in my life but he says that when this stream rises up it can come in a form that can be bad in other words I can allow things in my life that are small and covered up to become bigger in other words, I'm not saying just a problem and God's going to bring you through it. I'm talking about little things in my life that I allow to stay there. Let me give you a prime example. Bitterness is a stream that will get out of control. Are you with me? So he says every time I leave, if, if I don't keep bitterness, if I don't get it out of my heart, that bitterness will be a stream that is so small, but it will swell and it will swell until it overtakes my whole soul and ultimately it carries my soul to hell. It destroys me in the hereafter, in the eternal. Do you understand what I'm saying? So David says you got to make sure you don't allow these things. Little things can turn into big things. And bitterness, resentment, resentment, ladies and gentlemen, can get into your heart. David says don't allow it to happen. Don't allow the stream to overtake you. Unforgiveness can alter your future. How many of you have ever held on to a grudge? Yes sir. Hallelujah. They, were, they did me wrong. They said something to me. And quite frankly I'm ticked off about it. <laughs> And I'm going to be angry with them. And I don't care if they say they're sorry. I know in my heart of hearts. They're lying. At that point, man, you are a lost cause. They're nothing. They didn't get I, I had a meeting with a guy one time. I won't ever forget. He was so upset with me. And I looked at him one time. He, he was getting ready to leave the church. An older guy. And I looked at him and I said, If I got down on my hands and knees right now and I begged you to come and stay at this church, would you do it, my brother? To which he replied to me, now, I don't believe I would at this time. To which I replied, well, why in the world are you wasting my time and I'm wasting your time? Let's go. Sometimes it just happens like that. Forgiveness. Forget. 
you can hold a grudge. It can go get so big in your life until it literally overtakes you. Now, what is the big deal about forgiveness? What is the big deal about this overflowing my soul? How is that going to keep me from getting to heaven? I'm going to tell you how it's going to keep us from getting to heaven if it becomes a swollen stream over our soul. Because the Bible went as far to say it this way. Jesus said, if you will not forgive one another's sins... This is one of the most strong words Jesus ever said. If you will not be willing to forgive one another of your trespasses and sin, then my heavenly Father will not forgive you. So what God's trying to say is that when you think you're really good and and everything's great in your life, you need to remember where you come from. Because there was time that you needed a God to come by your side and forgive you for your mistakes and forgive you for your mishaps. So if God can forgive you, my Lord, you ought to be able to forgive one another. David says if we're not careful, this stream's going to overtake us. Don't allow that to happen. Verse 6. But blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Woo. Can I ask you something? Can you praise God while the devil is in hot pursuit right behind you? Can you still praise? See, I, I, I got a problem with people that can praise God when everything's going good, and then when things start going bad, you can't get them to say a word. That drives me insane. That is not true praise. They are just emotional is all they are. If you cannot praise God when you're going through hell and high water, then please don't praise Him when times are going good. Because this God that I serve is worthy to be praised whether I'm on the mountain or whether I'm in the valley. Whether I'm well or whether I'm sick. Whether I'm in a financial crunch or whether my bank account is looking really good right now. It doesn't matter. God is worthy of my praise. See, see, Israel failed at this. They failed greatly. Every time you turn around, God blessed them. God pulled them out. God did miracles for them. You think about this, guys. I mean... What would y'all do if we got outside and you said, my God, Pastor, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm going to say we got some waters in the church in there if you want one. But what would you do if I whipped that one of those drumsticks that Brad gets anointed with over there? It's in the name of Jesus. And I go over there and slap one of the rocks over there on the side of the church. And water starts gushing out. I mean, what? Boy, y'all going to say, that's a prophet right there. I promise you, that ain't happening. All right, I'm going to go and tell you. It ain't. I've, I've tried it. And so, and I hit that rock. Moses did it. He hits the rock. They drink till they can't drink no more. Next thing you know, they complain. We're hungry. So all of a sudden, he prays. God sends manna. He literally drops manna. They walk outside of their tent. Quentin, it's good to see you today as well. And so they walk out their tent. When they walk out, bam, manna. They unzip the tent, grab the manna, eat breakfast, and go to work. God provides. I mean, everything's going good. Israel failed greatly. You remember when they were at the Red Sea? Do you remember that story? The Bible says it this way. They're standing here at the Red Sea, and, and you can study history, and you'll find that in front of them is this biggest sea all, all in the Holy Land. the biggest sea around. It's so wide, so long, biggest sea. It's there in front of them, a mountain to their left, a mountain to their right, and then behind them in hot pursuit is the enemy. Pharaoh and his army are coming on to them. Everybody still with me? Had not been God that was on my side. Because he got in the middle and said, I'm just going to make some clouds. So they can't even see to travel. Woo! That wasn't enough for Israel. Why didn't you leave us in Egypt and just let us die? My Lord, you're the worst leader we've ever had. You're the worst pastor we've ever had. You shouldn't have done it that way. And they start bickering and complaining and fussing and arguing. They failed greatly. God had already showed up and showed out for them so many times. They should have known if God had brought them out of Egypt, God's going to bring them across this Red Sea. But they could not see their miracle. Even though the miracle was right in front of them, they did not expect the Red Sea to be their way of escape. But thank God for a Moses that when everybody else was faithless... He decided he's going to get his rod and he's going to go stand over there and he's going to worship God anyhow. Lord, you're the one that brought us out of Egypt. God, show your people your power yet again. You brought us out of Egypt. You can get us across this sea. God, in the name of Jesus. And again, God has to ask, what is that in your hand, Moses? Well, it's this rod. This rod can do some miracles. So I'm just going to praise you and I'm going to lift it up to God and I'm going to trust that you're going to do the rest. At the moment, he lifted that that rod. You know the story. The Red Sea parted on either side. They walked 
walked across on dry ground. Don't you tell me that God can't make a difference in your situation. Can you praise God when the enemy's behind you and you've got nowhere to go? Woo! Hallelujah! Somebody say amen. I'm telling you. Oh, God. Alright, Psalm 27 verse 13. David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The first thing I want you to see, David said, I would have lost heart. In the King James Version, he says, I would have fainted. There was some dummy running outside with a mask the other day in a park. Decided that he'd just run. Just run. He's going out for a jog. Ain't nobody around him. All right, He ain't got to worry about no social distancing. And he's jogging with his mask on. Story went, he fainted. He wouldn't use his brain. And plus, he couldn't use his brain. All the oxygen was getting sucked up. You don't, you don't wear a mask and go outside and jog. Have you lost your mind? And so he, he faints. David said, that's the way I feel sometimes. In my spirit, I'm so depleted. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have fainted. He says, but I believed that I would see. See, I love the would see. Because would see is a futuristic uh, comment. It is saying that I haven't seen it yet. But I believe that I would see the glory of God. And that is why I did not lose heart. Because I would see the goodness of God in the land of the... How many of you know that you serve a God that is alive and well? He is not dead. He is very well alive and capable of taking care of His children. He said, I knew that the goodness of God was going to show up in my life. Oh my God. How many of you, my Lord, he says, how many of you right here right now, and you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to answer, how many of you truly believe for your life that the best is yet to come? I mean, do you truly, I mean, I know we can get all, you know, emotional, spiritual, and say, all right, yeah, 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 I believe that. Yeah, we in church, praise God, let's shout. But do you really believe, tomorrow morning when you get up and you're discouraged, do you really believe, all right, do you truly believe that the best is yet to come for you? That's, that's a good question. I want you to think about that. We may say it in church, but I want to tell you, I really feel that way. And I tell the devil that often. Devil, you ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. I tell him that for me. I speak that over my family. I speak that over this church. Every time the devil tries to discourage me and dishearten me, I tell him the best is yet to come. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. Can I do that today? We got a small crowd. I might as well just spill the beans. People on Facebook can just watch. But I just want to tell you this. The, the challenge of, of leading a church during one of the biggest mess we've seen in a long time. And it's, it's not only sickness, which is real. I believe it's a political mess going on. Every time that a four years rolls, I was talking with someone yesterday, something great's going to happen. Whether it's a, a pandemic, whether it's a white man shooting a black person, come on, it happens. Think about Trayvon Martin, a few years back, election year, bam, shot Trayvon, we got Richard, we got George Floyd, all these things. And he said, when these things go on in election years, a lot of times we don't understand the politics, just boy, they jump all over it like, like, like maggots, man. It's, it's, it's sickening. It's sickening that you would take a real issue like racism or, or coronavirus or anything like this and you try to make it political, but they'll do it in a minute. But leading during a time like this can be so difficult, ladies and gentlemen. And, and whenever, as a pastor, when you look out and you say, man, where are my people at? But on the same hand, you understand that there's people that, yeah, they may not be comfortable yet. And I'm fine with that. If you Listen, if you stay at home and you pick up your groceries by call-in order, I'm fine with that. When people go on vacations and they go to Lowe's and they go to Walmart and they go to Big Lot, don't nobody help me preach today. That's when I have a problem. I was reading a, a thing the other day, and I've been good through this process. Y'all know I have. I, I haven't... I haven't pushed people to come to church. I've told them, whatever you feel comfortable doing, you know, want you to feel safe, and this and that and other. 
But I've had, I'm going to tell you, I was reading an article the other day and they were given on a 1 to a 10 what is the most ways that you can catch coronavirus. All right. Now, at about number four or five, now you grab this. About number four or five, guess where it was? The bar. A bar? Seriously? They pack in them places like sardines. Greenville just had a shooting. Did anybody see that? Two people dead, eight people. The sheriff said, I can tell you one thing. They sure weren't practicing social distancing. And there's many cars were here. They were like just sardines packed in a can up in that place. But I'm telling you, man, I'm t- it's a mess. And I, and I look over all this stuff. I say, God, would you just help us? So I don't have a problem with people not coming to church if they don't do anything else. But when we're doing everything else, that's when I have a problem. And, and, and I was looking. and so, so you go on up the list. That was like a five. To take a ride in my pontoon boat. Are y'all with me? A pontoon boat. I don't get... Herschel, I don't get a thousand foot from people when I'm on a pontoon boat. I mean, I'm way... I never get close to I don't go to the same island as anybody. So I'm from, I'm from here to the, to the door from a boat. A number eight was taking a ride in your pontoon boat. You're liable to get coronavirus. I said, what kind of liberals are riding this stuff? The bars of five, my pontoon boat by myself is an eight. But that's not what got me. What got me was when I got to number nine, and number nine was church. And I thought to myself, my God, so we're going to put bars and worldly events, even venues, like going to concerts, was even lower than the church was. See what I'm trying to tell you while I know it's real, and, and we take precautions, and we're doing that. And I'm glad to do that, and I don't regret doing that. But I want to tell you what my problem is. My problem is when politics, they try to make it political. And there's people in politics, we were talking about this morning, that if they could right now, they would shut the church down. Oh, God. Woo! Oh, man, oh, God help pastor today. Help him, Jesus. And so when I see all this going on, I see people troubled and discouraged and so on, and the devil comes back and says, man, it'll never be the same. I remind the devil that God is on my side and the best is yet to come. That we're getting through this. We're going to be better than ever because God is going to help us through it. God help. Listen, I want to tell you something. I want to thank people for, for supporting the church, paying their time. I don't know if people think this is the end time, like literally the last day, and they just paying their time. I think last month, Sandra's not here. Uh, she had surgery. You need to pray for Sandra, by the way. I, I took her a plate yesterday of food and, um, and, and saw her. She looks great. She was up walking and everything. But still in a lot of pain. But if I'm not mistaken, I think for May, I think we brought in around $46,000. That's a lot of money, folks, for our church. That's a lot of money. Our numbers in our bank account, I'll go ahead and tell every one of you, they are better than they've ever been. I sound like Donald Trump for a re-election. Thank God I'm up, up for re-elections. I'm just, this isn't any politics here. The numbers are up higher than they've ever been. I got people, I've got Sarah, I've got Sandra, all these people that have worked in our office for, over thir- for 13 years that said they have never seen our bank where our bank is right now. Somebody ought to shout how, what I'm telling you is that our time of lowest attendance, we've got our highest offerings. Can you explain that? All that I can tell you is that God is on our... He is on our side. So that is why every time that the devil comes to me and attacks me when I'm weak in my moments of weakness and I'm struggling and I say, devil, the best is yet just look at what the Lord has done. Look at what God is going to do. I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. The church is not dead. The church is not going under. The church is still alive and vibrant. Jesus. Verse 7, i got to hurry, my Lord. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. The fowler is one who traps and controls the bird. The snare is a small string that is hidden in the leaves. The bird cannot see it, but it is large enough that when he steps in it, it will pull and it will trap the little bird's leg. No matter how hard he tries to fly, the bird cannot escape the snare of the fowler. But David said, My soul has been escaped. Woo. The snare has been broken. Woo. 
there's some of you in this church that if you came to Jesus Christ, you remember what it felt like to be bound by the devil. But don't you love the day that you were like a bird that was being let out of a cage? You used to sing in your cage and try to be happy, but the world couldn't make you happy. You would buy things, but those things got old and they would not make you happy. But one day Jesus came and said, I bought your pardon. I'm going to open up the cage. I'm going to let you out. You are going to go free. The snare has been broken. And we have escaped. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. My God. So Satan tries to ensnare my mind. He'll, he'll, he'll try his best to get me emotionally unstable. Believing that God's not there anymore. He's not by my side. But verse 8 is what I'll close with. Our help is not in our pastor. Our help is not in our best friend. Our help is not in our spouse. They're limited. All of the above that I just mentioned are limited in the help that they can give you. So David says, I've made up my mind that my true help, it's in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Somebody needs to understand the power of the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when you get discouraged and you feel down and out, I need somebody just to call on the name of Jesus. Because when you call on the name of Jesus, heaven is released to earth. My God Almighty, somebody ought to call His name. Hallelujah. There's over 800 names in the Bible that are ascribed to the person of Jesus. He's called the true vine, the living way, the treasure, the light, the bread of life, the son of Mary, the son of David, the son of God, the plan of renown, wonderful, cancer, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the ending, the Son of Righteousness arising with healing in His wing. He's my healer, my high tower, my buckler, my shield. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah and on and on He can go. That's the name above every other name. And that God is on my side. Woo! There are over 200 names ascribed to God the Father. You can start with Ella, Elohim, which means the creative name of God. You can shorten His name to El, which means God is. So then... You could say El Shaddai. God is sufficient. You don't need anything or anyone else. El Elyon, which means God is a sustainer. He keeps me from falling. El Olin, God is everlasting. His kingdom will never, ever end. Go on the pen. I'm closing. Then there are His Jehovah names. Jehovah or Yahweh, which means self-sufficient. In other words, He's God all by Himself. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need Washington's help. He doesn't need any politician's help. He is God and He is God alone. He's Jehovah Rophi. He is my healer. He's Jehovah Shammah. He is the God that is there and by my side. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, which means He's my righteousness. He's Jehovah Rahi, which means He's my great shepherd. Jehovah Nisi, because He's my banner over my head. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees and provides. Just ask old Hagar. She found herself one day in the middle of a desert. Her son is crying. You remember the story. And Hagar asked God, God, I need you to provide for me. Abraham, keep me out of the house because Sarah, my handmaiden, is jealous of me. She doesn't like that I had this baby for Abraham. Here I am alone. What am I going to do? My kid's thirsty. My kid needs something to drink. And guess what God did? Jehovah Jireh. He sees. I like that part. You can't forget. See, we always say God provides. But we need to understand first that God sees. Because until God sees what I'm going through, He can't provide what I need. So that means it doesn't matter what I go through. I know God's got me in His eye. He's watching me. Every move I make, everywhere I go, He's got it. Trouble comes, He's there. I'm discouraged, He's there. Hagar, what are you going to do? You're going to die? The baby's going to die? But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a well of springing water. My God, Johnny, it pops up. And God says, there you go, Hagar. You need water? 
go get water. Can I tell somebody today that is the God that you serve? He's the God called Adonijah, which means He is the Lord of all things. He is the owner of all things. He, he owns my car. He owns my house. He owns my family. He owns this church. He owns me. If my help was in my name, I would fail. But David said, my help is in your name. The all-sufficient one. The all-seeing one. The all-knowing one. The all-powerful one. The Lord is on my side. Can we stand? I, I, I'm Get a mic. Get a mic, guys. Woo! The Lord is on my side. My God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to help somebody right now in this church to realize. I don't care where they are. I don't care what they're dealing with. I don't care the troubles in their life. If they would call on the name of Jesus like David, they would recognize. The Lord's not behind me, but the Lord is beside me. He is walking hand in hand. There is not one step that I'm going to take that the Lord's not going to take with me. There's not one place I'm going to go that the Lord's not going to go with me. There's not one fire that I'm going to find myself in that the Lord's not going to be in the middle of the fire with me. That's the Lord I serve. So help us today to trust you and believe you for a miracle. Let's sing a chorus in this song. And then Susan, you can start from the back to the front. We appreciate you being patient with us. Let us sing this one time together. Let's